It is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Happy to be back with you for another day, another great show. As always, right, Chip Scoggins will join me here in just a few minutes to talk Vikings, Twins, a little bit of Gophers football, too. Um, Chip and I just could not help but notice that Daniil Hunter does not uh, look like he's showing up at minicamp for the Vikings. That is an escalation of kind of the, the the relationship deterioration that's been happening between the two sides for at least a couple years now. <clears throat> and uh, we'll see where that's headed. Uh, maybe cooler heads will prevail. Maybe they'll get him a new contract. Maybe not, though. Just kind of looking at their books, and I'll get to that at the end of the show. It looks like the Vikings are kind of angling for a day where they can uh, they can kind of handpick their roster, and it looks a lot different than it does now. But uh, that ha- that still has a lot to play out at minicamp. Andrew Kramer, Ben Gessling out there will have you covered on that, so check that out in Star Tribune, startribune.com. Chip and I will talk about that here in just a few minutes, in addition to the Twins. And like I said, a Vikings thought at the end of the show. First, though, what did I miss? Let's start NBA Finals and just, you know, Nuggets winning in five in so many ways linked to the Timberwolves has me give me all sorts of Timberwolves thoughts. You know, number one being it was five years ago. It was the 2018 playoffs where uh, the Wolves beat the Nuggets in game 82 of that season, of that regular season with the playoff spot on the line. This is before the play-in. This is before, you know, before any of that. This was you're in, you're out. And, you know, the West was stacked that year. The Wolves made it in by winning in overtime over Denver Got 47 wins that season. Nuggets fell short at 46, but both were good teams. Both were quality teams. Both seemed like teams that could be ascending, could be on the rise, could be factors in the West going forward. And then, of course, um, they became two trains on completely opposite tracks going completely different directions. Jimmy Butler forced his way out of here not that long after that game, just a few months after that after that game, 82, Wolves um, you know, struggled initially for sure to replace Jimmy Butler after that trade. He went to he went to uh, Philadelphia, then Miami. He's had a lot of success in Miami, including playing Denver now in these finals. Um, Wolves regrouped, I think, in in pretty decent fashion. Made the playoffs each of the last two seasons, but they really do not have the same sort of trajectory to show for where they were. Five years ago, they've won just four playoff games um, since beating Denver in Game 82 that year. Denver, by, <laughs> by contrast, had won four playoff series before this year, and then, of course, winning four more en route to their first championship. So they're linked in that way. Two teams that seemed like they were on the same track, then they weren't. Linked, of course, in that Tim Connolly, who built a lot of this Nuggets roster, who built this Nuggets team, left Denver to take the Minnesota job a year ago. And, you know, I, I think there's some optimism if you look at Denver and you look at what Tim Connolly was able to do there and you look at, okay, that is a path to a championship. Maybe it felt like this was a team, at least to me, that was built more for regular season success, that it was a team that was going to stall out a lot like it had in recent playoff trips, you know, with a couple trips to the conference semifinals, a, cu- a trip to the conference finals, but could not break through. Like, you know, a team that just didn't have that extra gear when you got to the postseason. They proved that different this year, and whether it was just the moment, whether it was the cumulative experience, whether it's just the, the sheer brilliance and gained experience of Nikola Jokic, I don't know exactly what it is, but they 
proved to be the kind of team that even if they look on paper like maybe ah this is the team that's going to do well in the regular season but not the playoffs that that proved to be not the narrative this season so if you look at the Wolves you look at what Connolly is trying to build here this is the final piece of this um, like Bobby Marks and I talked about on last week's one of last week's shows Bobby Marks from ESPN um, <clears throat> Nuggets are the only team in the NBA right now that have three max contract guys Jokic of course Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. the Wolves if they sign Anthony Edwards to an extension this offseason, which is kind of a no-brainer, and if it's a max, which I think is a no-brainer as well, and if Car Anthony Towns stays, they will too have three max players with those two guys and Rudy Gobert. Now, it's hard to win in the NBA with three max guys. Like Bobby Marks was saying last week, you've got to be sure everything around them is good, and I would add You've got to be sure those are the three guys you want to lead you. With Denver, obviously, you know, Jokic is a two-time MVP, one of the three or four very best players in the NBA. Jamal Murray, uh, who, by the way, the Wolves could have drafted in 2016 and didn't. Um, no, uh, no regrets there, of course. Um, he, uh, you know, he's a, he's a player who, when healthy, is definitely one of the best shooting guards in the league and has proven, you know, combo guard. He can he's proven to be, you know, kind of that next level player. And Porter Jr. just a very versatile kind of player to put into that system. Can guard a lot of different positions. Can knock down threes. Is versatile offensively. He fits their system well, so it works for them to be paying all of those guys so much and to build around them with you know, guys who aren't making quite as much money. I mean, Aaron Gordon's got a big contract, but pretty much everybody else is on, you know, more limited deals, and that that has worked for them. That worked for them with the championship. The Wolves have to decide and maybe have to decide this offseason <clears throat> if those are the three guys that they think can get you there because they're going to get awfully expensive very soon. It's not going to be this year, but 2024-25 season, so just a season from now, season from this next one coming up, Towns' Supermax kicks in. Edwards' extension would kick in. Jade McDaniel's extension potentially would kick in. Gobert's still making a lot of money. Is that your core? <clears throat> is that the core that can win at a high level for you? Is that, a, is, that a, is that a team that you want to keep together and build for four or five years like Denver has to the point where you think they can win a championship? Or do you need to regroup and trade one of those three to get out of that system? And I think... You know, like Bobby and I talked about, like a lot of, you know, Chris Hine and I have talked about, <clears throat> like, you know, Chip and I have talked about on previous shows, Towns is the obvious candidate to be traded if and when they decide that that's not the group they want, um, you know, just because of his salary, because of what he could bring in return, and because of the redundancy created at the big man spot when they traded yeah, last year for Rudy Gobert. So what they need to ask themselves right now is they look at the Nuggets and they say, okay, Tim Connolly built this team. He built it in a similar way to the way the Wolves seem like they're being constructed right now. Is that a model that can work here based on the personnel, based on who you can add around these guys, and based on you know the fact that I don't know if that model has necessarily worked in other places. So they need to take a good look at how this was built in Denver and decide whether it can be replicated here with the current guys. I don't think it can. That's why I think this summer is a time to explore bigger and bolder things. But that is the question, the big question, even after seeing Denver win a championship, that they must ask themselves now. MGM Wine & Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, pre-mixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. 
With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. Let's bring in Star Tribune columnist Chip Scoggins right now. I want to talk to Chip about two main subjects today, the Vikings and the Twins. Um, Chip, are you, um, I don't know how much you, how much football you played back in the day, but you might (laughs) need to rush the passer for the Vikings this season. Are you ready to do that? Uh, I think I'm out of eligibility. (laughs) I don't, I don't think I, uh, I don't think I'd have uh well for the right money I probably would try it. Yeah, right. I don't I they they uh it was a problem last year and I'm not sure that they adequately addressed it this year. Now no. that you, you you signed Davenport um as a free agent hoping that you can find something um that was not there last year. I mean, when you look at Marcus Davenport just on in the field, he looks the part yeah, but what what were you he talking had, about for? He had half, half a sack? sack. He had half of a sack <laughs> last year. Not even a whole sack. <laughs> so that's a big unknown. And then uh, obviously we'll get to the the Neil Hunter contract situation. Um, you know, there's reports he's not going to show up for the mandatory minicamp. Yeah, I guess that doesn't surprise me. I don't think he was uh, completely enamored with his role last year. And I know he's not enamored with his contract right? Uh, b- based on his production. I think it's, um, what was it? Five and a half million. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, he's under, he's relatively he's underpaid. underpaid. Yeah. 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 And so it, I have to think that that will get done before training camp. I deal with him because okay. um, I just think he's too valuable for, um, to, We'll see what his value would be in a trade, but yeah. you, I mean, pass rushing is such a commodity in the NFL. You you have to have it, and you have to spend for it. Yes, you know, I mean, you you look at the amount of money those pass rushers are getting right now; it's top dollar. So, I understand the Vikings' concerns about his injuries, and there's you know that's uh, takes some of his leverage away. But if he's healthy, he's productive, and and they need a productive pass rush. Yeah, I mean, he had a good year last year, even though I think he was slightly miscast as that kind of outside linebacker in the 3-4 role. They asked him to do a lot of stuff. And, you know, maybe he thinks of himself like a half notch higher than maybe they do or the rest of the league does. But let's face it, I mean, he and Zadarius Smith combined for more than half of their sacks last Mm -hmm. season. Darius Smith's gone now. If Hunter winds up, traded and again that's we're, we're a ways from that but this is a, this is an escalation this feels like it's gone if if he's not there at minicamp this feels like it's going to go to another level where it's like okay well now what if, if he's that unhappy that he's not even going to show up for minicamp then at least brings the prospect of a trade and that you know i've talked to we talked on access vikings last week with ben and andrew about just you know how that to me if they wind up trading him that to me signals kind of a next level of rebuild almost that they're, they're they're no longer in the true competitive rebuild. They're using 2023 as kind of the reset year before they kind of go forward. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, you know, we're still what middle of the off season. So I don't think it's, uh, you know, the deadlines 
not even in sight yet that, okay, now something's uh, here to make a break, do or die time now. There's still time. And, and my experience has been these things kind of come out in trickles. Like last week we saw Ian Rappaport of NFL Network say that they're fielding calls about trade. And that's just part of this whole negotiation thing. That's why I still feel it gets done. But um, if if they, you know, reach a point where they, you know, they just can't agree on a number, either dollar or term, um, and, and Hunter just thinks that he's, you know, he's going to get be better off somewhere else and they have to trade him. Yeah, I mean, that would be uh, – it would feel like a rebuild. And, you know, some of this – uh, Mike, the word rebuild has become such a negative connotation in sports. Right. So you automatically assume that means, okay, they're, they're going to be, te- yeah. they're going to go four and 13 and be terrible. Um, and that, that's not necessarily the case. You know, sometimes it is, but also um, it can just mean that they're moving on from, uh, you know, familiar names and guys who've been in the uniform a long time or, or trying to get, uh, cheaper at a certain position or positions. Um, and so, but I, I go back to, I mean, I know they're going to have, um, you know, Justin Jefferson is going to make a huge contract. We know that's coming. Yeah. Christian Darius, Christian Darisaw is going to be in line for one. Um, and so you're going to have a lot of money tied up on offense. You know, that's not even going into her cousin's situation where they are there. So, there's only so much money they have to spend elsewhere, but that's a position where you have to spend. Yeah. The premier, the premier pass rusher is going to cost you money. Um, particularly when we don't know what Mar- Marcus Davenport is going to give them. No, no clue. Um, no. and so, uh, I still think, uh, when it's all said and done, I think they get something done with Daniel. Cause I think it's just too important of a position and he's too important of a player to what, if you're trying to really improve that defense, do you want to have another question mark on it well, going into the season? Well, that's the thing. I mean, if if Brian Flores wants to play aggressively, especially in the secondary, you can't do that very easily with with pass rush that's not there. Like you got to those two things go hand in hand. We know that we've seen that play out. You know, on the other hand, like if they've just decided that Hunter is not quite the player that he thinks he is, that he's in his going to be in his ninth season, that he's yeah. had this injury history. And then let's face it, like a lot of these core guys, they've let go, you know, Kendricks, now Cook, Thielen, like a lot of these guys, Dalvin Tomlinson, you know, wasn't necessarily like a long-term core guy, but one of those guys that had been here for a while. Yeah. Like if they kind of decide that it's just time to break this core up and let's face it, I mean, this, the guys that have been together, the guys that have been here for a while, they've, they've made the playoffs a few times. They've won two playoff games. Yeah. That that's not like you're breaking up the, not like you're breaking up a two-time Super Bowl champ or anything like that. Well, no, no. I mean, they've, they've been competitive. They haven't been great. They've been competitive. And, and that's, and that's the thing that they're, you know, they might be wrestling with is, or I'm sure they're wrestling with is Daniel's what? 29. I think he's 28 to be 29. Yeah. With, with, you know, two, one. Yeah. This will be his 29th season, 29 year old season, I think. Um, That's right. But two significant injuries in the last three years. And so are, do they want to commit five years? Yeah. I don't know. Four years. And and so, or do they just want to say, you know what? Let's continue to turn this thing over. And and if you do, if they do go down that route, um, I always thought this was going to be a step back season anyways in terms of record. I think it could be yeah. uh, potentially a better 
team with a worse record. I think the offense can be – I think there's another level for the offense to get yeah. to. Defense, it can't get worse, right? Well, <laughs> so, let's hope so. We say theory, that about them, but theory, you would think yeah. so. You'd think there'd be, you know, there has to be improvement based on what we saw last year. And so, but they're not going to go nine and zero in one score games. No, eleven. You I know? think they're eleven and zero in one score. Or eleven and zero, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, um, that's not going to happen. No, again, the, last year was an outlier. You're not going to win thirteen games with one of the with maybe the worst defense in the NFL. Yeah, total outlier. That doesn't no. happen. And so, um, but it, but you know, last year. Uh, it felt like Quasi's vision was put on hold because the owners wanted to continue to see what they could get out of the, that roster. Yeah, with the with the veterans, the familiar faces, and they, you know, they got thirteen wins and won a division and right. made a quick exit in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think this is Quasi's opportunity to say, you know what, this this team is going to change. We're going we're going to go down uh, on the plan that he has in place, and and we're seeing it. Well, um, it's our time to shine. Quasi's time to shine, as that Donatel yep. might say. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but the, the, the flip side of that is you better be right. Like, you know, the Dalvin well, Cook is, you know, yeah. a decision they made, not a surprising one. Hunter is a decision they got to make. Like, they have bigger, they're making bigger decisions for sure this offseason than they did last year, where they kind of largely kept this going forward. Yeah, it was a, last year was a run it back. And it was a, you know, it was a, uh, theory i think the ownership had that this was predominantly coaching driven it wasn't a personnel thing it wasn't the coaching staff was not getting the most out of this team well we saw him win 13 games but the defenses was a disaster and yeah. you know and i i gotta be honest with you i like what they're doing in terms of turning this roster over they do you know yeah. you can be you can become so loyal to guys who are great teammates great role models for your organization the face of your faces of your organization. But, you know, at the end of the day, change is constant in NFL. You have to change. You have to be able to make those tough decisions. And um, yeah. I don't even know if these were tough decisions. Some of them like, you know, it's just time. It was just yeah. time to, to turn it over and start new. And, and you know, Quasi and, and O'Connell were brought in here largely too. They have to figure out the quarterback situation. You're going to have to, at some point that's, they were brought in here to find a franchise quarterback. And I, I know as I think ownership, like every owner is, you know, infatuated with having a, a quarterback, a starting quarterback on a rookie deal. So you can spend that money elsewhere. And so um, we'll see when they see where they're at on that timeline. But that's another, you know, franchise altering decision that they're going to have to make here in, you know, in the short term. Yeah, it is. Well, it's going to be, Interesting to see how they navigated. Used used the word disaster um, a, a minute ago, and that's a nice segue into the Twins. Chip, uh, it was it's a, it was such a weird weekend in Toronto because you know they had that great comeback Saturday where they get the grand slam from Correa, the three run homer from Kepler, and you know that's looking like they're on the verge of a sweep. You know in Toronto after being so bad in the last you know week before that with you know the losses in Tampa Bay and just everything kind of spiraling on them and the losses to Cleveland before that. Um, but then old friend, Emilio <laughs> Pagan, who had been used largely in low leverage situations this season, they brought him back, but they, you know, he was another kind of warm body in the bullpen had been largely fine in these kind of, you know, games where they're up or down by three or four runs. And it's not terribly, you know, he's, he's not going to have a huge impact on 
the game. But, you know, Sunday, it's six to four, bottom of the eighth. Toronto's got their seven, eight, nine hitters up. Twins have burned through a lot of their bullpen lately, especially in that uh, Friday win. Um, here comes Pagan and single, single home run. Now, you all of a sudden, you just don't feel, even if you took two out of three from a good AL East team, you don't feel the same way about that no. series. Well, and, and I don't know what more evidence both Rocco and Falvey need to see to keep going forward. But yes, it was high leverage in that, you know, it's eighth inning, trying to protect a two-run lead. But, Mike, it's the seventh, eighth, and ninth hitters. If he can't be trusted in that situation, like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, Lopez, he's a mess right now. They're yeah, trying to get him squared away. So it, it Thiel bar, and Thielbar's hurt again. And Thiel, like, Thielbar's so. hurt. So when, when Duran's not healthy or not available, not not healthy, but when he's not available, when he pitched, what, uh, two innings the night before, I forgot how many pitches it was. Yeah, it was like 38 pitches, something like yeah. that. It was, he's, yeah. If, if he's not available, I mean, you start looking at your options there, and you're like, where are the good options here right. uh, in a in a close game? And so I just – I don't know. And, and, yes, Pagan has been better this year than he has last, which is, you know, faint praise. But, faint praise, yeah. Um, I, I just don't know what – how many chances they're going to continue to give him. It's Well, it's maddening. And so here's – Here's the stat I was going to I was telling you about before we started. Um, so, Fangraphs is a good site. It lists, um, I think, since the start of the 2021 season, it lists 1,133 relief pitchers in that span. You know, guys who have either pitched all three of those years or at least parts of one of those years. That's a lot of relievers. Over a thousand relief pitchers. Stat called win probability added, which tells you kind of how they performed in games that mattered, right? It tells you, you know, when they came into the game, did they increase or decrease your chances of winning that game? So if you come in in a 9 nothing game and you pitch a scoreless inning, it doesn't really matter, right? Your win probability didn't yeah. change much, um, even if you pitched well. But if you come into a 6-4 to four game and you give a three-run homer, that's a big difference. So out of all of those pitchers, dead last in Oof. win probability added is Alex Colomay, who was their closer <laughs> in 2021, 1,128th, sixth from the bottom is Emilio Pagan, who was just as bad in San Diego before they traded for him. Yeah. and has been just as bad here. That's the real mystifying part is his his win probability added. His other peripheral numbers were just as bad in San Diego in 2020 and 2021. He's got, he had a really good season in 2019. Guess what? That was four years ago. There, he's had yeah. three and a half seasons between there that have just not been good. Well, and that's, you know, last year he – it was like a broken record. He kept saying the stuff's good the stuff. You know, you look at all the analytics, whatever it's good. It's like, well, okay, fine. But the production's not there. He's if giving up, he's giving yeah. up soul crushing home runs all yeah, the time. I, I don't know if that's, you know, your attempt to make you feel better or the organization trying to prop up your confidence, but this production business and it's not, um, it, you know, when he goes out there, you, you, you just expect the worst at this point. Um, and, you know, you look at this team, starting pitching has been, you know, rock solid. But even the, even the win the other day, Mike, you get the grand slam and the Kepler home run, but 17 strikeouts. I mean, you score all those runs with 17 strikeouts. And then you add with the bullpen that's just got so many, um, you know, guys that are scuffling and trying to find themselves. I just – I don't know how – over the long haul, this is going to work, you know, yeah. uh, you know, 
you're the front office is going to have to do something with this bullpen. I, I again, I go back to how many more chances does Pagan get with this regime? You know? know, and I don't know why he's earned the trust that he has with them to keep getting these chances. I mean, right now it seems like it's by default, but even bringing him back at all this year after what happened last year, that was, you know, that was mind boggling. And you can say, yeah, he had pitched better. And I think there was a point at which you could defend the use of him and try to say, okay, maybe he's figuring something out. Maybe you can give him a bigger role. But then he had that blow up game against the Dodgers where he came in and gave up two walks and a grand slam. Yeah. And, you know, any, anytime they're, anytime they try to ask him to do more than just, hold down the fort in a relatively comfortable win or loss, it seems like it goes sideways on him. So I just, well, it, at a certain point it's on them to stop using him in these situations and to find something better. Cause it's just, it's not working. It's, it's just, and it's, I feel like, I think I'm starting to think that they're in trouble this year. I really thought that for a while I was like, this is definitely the best team in the AL central. I don't know that anymore. Well, that's it. Yeah. I mean, with him, low leverage situations, fine. Yeah. I mean, use them in those, but you're right. I mean, in these big spots, do you trust him? And I would say no. And, and um, the, the division is so bad that, you know, they're going to be in it. And, you know, I, I still think with their starting pitching, um, you know, that's going to take them a long way in, in the division. This lineup, we knew it was uh, going to have trouble scoring runs, but Mike being on pace to said, you know, a league record for strikeouts. That's got to come back to organizational philosophy, approach, something that has to change because it's uh, it's like you just sort of expect they're going to get at least 10 or 11. I mean, they're averaging 10. When I did that call last week, they're a little over 10 strikeouts per game. Um, it's just it's this team is so maddening to watch um, at the plate and just – the lack of professional approach sometimes with these guys. It's just, um, you know, I talked to Rod Carew about it. He's like, everybody's trying to get the ball in here. Everybody's trying to, you know, you know, there's no, you just wonder what the plan is with some of these guys. So uh, yeah, it's frustrating, but um, I I have to think that Falvey, the front office is going to have to address this bullpen at the trade deadline because you can't, you know, even let's say you win the division. You want to go into the postseason with this bullpen? Yeah, no, no way. Oh. Especially like other than Grant, <laughs> you're, you're relying so much on Duran again, which you were yeah. last year, and you should. I mean, he's in that win probability at his that he's fourth since the start of the 2021 season, even though he didn't pitch in 2021. That's how <laughs> good he's been in the last year and a half, and how bad everybody else is. Chip since the start of the 2022 season, Twins are 27 and 41 in one run games. 27 and 41. They're they're like yeah. expected win loss record based on the run differential since the start of that year is like eight games worse than it should be. They, they've they've just they're you know they score in bunches. They win these games nine to two every now and then, but they're not good in these high leverage situations either offensively or defensively generally. And I do wonder what kind of toll that takes on the psyche of a team. Yeah, you know, I it, it mean, I, there's few things in. In sports, not just baseball, but sports, sport deflating than a reliever who oh, fails no. at his job, who who gives up a you know like what Pagan did yesterday. Yeah, I mean that that's just so deflating to a to a team to everything. And so, um, yeah, I mean those stats. I mean, there's they're indefensible, and and yeah. you 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 hit the um, 
the point too is like, yes, the you know they made the front offices to get Correa to come back and stayed with it, and um, you know did different things, but they by and large just said, you know what, we'll run it back with the bullpen. We'll bring Pagan back. We'll yeah. you know, um, they just didn't make the moves there, and I don't know if that's just their mo that they think you know they can piece that together, but it's they're finding out the hard way that that's not. No. It's not working. It's not no. working. No, it's not. Um, final thing, Chip, uh, bef- uh, now that we're off of Vikings and Twins, looks like P.J. Flex got a pretty good um, recruiting class cooking in football for 2024. I know you cover that a little bit more closely than me. What uh, What can you say about that? Yeah, they, he's one, he's locked down the state. I mean, they've yes. gotten um, most of I, I forgot the number of uh, uh, ranked guys that they've uh, in the state that they've gotten, but they're really – uh, you know, doing a good job of, of keeping kids home. And then they just had their, one of their, they always have this big summer weekend where they bring a lot of kids in for uh, on the same weekend in the summer and have all kinds of different activities for them. Now they, they got four recruits out of that or commitments right. out of that. So um, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, recruiting the last couple of years hasn't been what, you know, we thought that it should be with Fleck and that that's kind of his, reputation coming here but um really having a good you know showing so far now you have to get to the finish line yes that's the, that's the whole thing you have to get yeah. you got to get to the you got to get to the signing day finish line but um but yeah there uh there's a lot of buzz a lot of momentum with their recruiting right now yeah there sure is and you got to not only you got to sign them these days you got to keep them from well. transferring immediately <laughs> even after they get here without even playing a game I mean, it's 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 got to be I, that's got to drive coaches crazy right now how much recruiting re-recruiting in-team recruiting you got to do well yeah the portal it it just changed everything but uh, yeah just because you get them the first time doesn't mean they're for four years but you always as i always say the portal door swings both ways that's true that's they they go and we tend to focus on the the go the kids that leave but you also uh, you know they welcome Jack yeah. Gibbons, you know, he was a yeah. terrific linebacker for him. Right. He came in there. It works both ways. So that's coach. If you're losing your sanity over the portal, that's one thing to remember that there, uh, it works yeah. both ways. That's true. Good points, Chip. As always, enjoyed catching up. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, brother. Thanks, man. Good stuff from Chip, as always. And let's finish with the cooler. Just an extra thought on the Vikings. Just looking at their salary cap table, thinking about Daniil Hunter, um, they have $36 million in dead money this season. That is a lot. Um, you kind of get Dalvin Cook off the books. You've gotten um, some of these other guys off the books. Adam Thielen was a big one. He's got $13 million in dead money. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson had $7.5 in dead money. Da- Dalvin Cook, $5 million. Zadarius Smith, $4.5 million. Then a bunch of smaller numbers adding up to $36 million this year. That is a lot of money on those dead books in 2024. Still quite a bit of money, um, you know, allocated onto the cap, especially if we factor in an eventual Justin Jefferson extension. But 2025, things really shake loose. That's when Kirk Cousins, at least for now, is off the books. And that's when, um, you know, that's when things get really interesting for how they could potentially do things. So I'm trying to understand exactly what they're doing here. They're trying to, like they said, they're trying this competitive rebuild, rebuild on the fly. To me, it really does seem like all this is leading towards some sort of solution where they've got a new quarterback in place next season. 
They take their cap lumps as they build up next season and some of this season, although I think they're going to try to be competitive this year still too, and that it's really aiming towards 25, 26, 27 when you've got very little cap burden when those numbers are going up, but you would have a rookie quarterback or a scaled quarterback on your books at that point with which to build around, and you could have kind of not unlimited cap space, but more cap space than they've dreamed of in recent years. So think about that as you watch their moves, as you think about this season, as you even think about next offseason, that all of this, I think, is still building towards 2025. Not that these are years that are punting on, not that they're not going to try to win, but that's when they really get out of cap jail is 2025, and that might be what they are aiming towards. And think about that as you consider the Neil Hunter's future with this team. That will do it for today. Jerry Zagoda, who covers Minnesota United for the Star Tribune, should be joining me on Wednesday's show to talk about that team. An uneven start, to say the least, to this season. They're almost halfway in now, I do believe. And they've got kind of a long break here. They don't play again until the 24th. So a good opportunity to catch up on that team with Jerry Zagoda. So I hope you enjoy that tomorrow. Hope you have a great rest of the day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.